and welcome to the Catalyst Untamed podcast. I'm your host, Katie, and you've entered a space where learning is outside the box, untamed, and filled with tools to hopefully ignite a catalyst in your life. This episode is installment two of a five-part project titled, We're Talking About Mental Health, But Are We Really Talking About It? I gathered responses from almost 300 people in the Wildland Fire community, and I will be sharing these stories as we go on a journey to better understanding our mental health in fire. Today, we are getting the lowdown on what mental health means to us, how we feel when we're depressed or anxious, and signs and symptoms to be aware of. Let's get to it. To start, here is what y'all said when I asked, what do you know about mental health and what does it mean to you? I know that anyone can be mentally affected by the job, maybe not even know it or that it can be cumulative. To me, it means assessing the emotional impacts of years of service in the line of work. I know the cliches we talk about, how you feeling today, bud? Shit like that. I know it's a topic, but nothing really gets done about it. To me, it means getting through the season and dealing with feelings later. I've done a bit of research. We have enough other ways to get hurt or die. This should not be one. I have depression and anxiety and take medication. I know that we all struggle differently, and to me, it's about balance. I know there is help available and that many people don't want to do that because they feel awkward or uncomfortable. I think mental health has to do with everything going on inside your mind, how you feel, how you perceive, etc. Mental health is important to gauge on a daily basis. It means staying in tune with your feelings and knowing your limits. I know that the rest of life is really hard when my mental health is in the gutter. Not that much. It means just staying sane throughout fire season. I'm sad I don't feel comfortable sharing these thoughts and info within the larger culture of my crew. Maybe it's because I have so many people that it makes it harder to be vulnerable. Maybe it's being the only female and not wanting to be perceived as weak. But I firmly believe that we all have demons holding us back from being our best selves and best firefighters. I can't wait for the day when we can talk about them frankly with one another instead of saying, make sure you take care of what you need to on your off days. It's a state of mind that fluctuates. You can go up and down, but no matter where you are, it does not diminish who you are as a person. Next, I asked if y'all know the signs and symptoms of some of the predominant mental health conditions, such as depression, anxiety, and PTSD. These conditions were also frequent flyers that were mentioned in the first episode when I asked what you thought of when you heard mental health. 79% of you know what the signs and symptoms of depression, anxiety, or PTSD are. 16% are not sure, and 4% said they do not know. So, a majority of you know the signs. I then asked if you've ever experienced depression, anxiety, and or PTSD before. 85% said yes. The amount of you that have experienced those mental health conditions before is not surprising, yet at the same time alarming and heartbreaking and frustrating and back to not surprised when I think about everything people do in this field of work. For the next question, leaving medical terms aside, 96% of you have just felt out of sorts and not sure how to get back to center. 2% of you weren't sure if you've felt that way before, and another 2% that have not experienced feeling out of sorts. 
The word is getting out that we are struggling with our mental health as a whole, which helps get the discussion going for the public and everyone on board to push for better mental health programs, as well as other aspects that affect us mentally, like our own series, getting better pay, etc. Collectively, we need to take our health into our own hands, though, as our employers catch up to help us out. We don't have to wait for someone close to us to commit suicide to start thinking about our own mental health, let alone waiting for ourselves to get to that point. So let's get into the feelings, which is stigmatized in our culture. Here are some of the responses to the question, what does it feel like when you're depressed, anxious, on edge, out of sorts? Physically, I was unmotivated to move at all, which made me feel worse. Mentally, I was very harsh on myself and got in the headset that I wasn't good enough for anything or anyone, which emotionally made me feel sad and empty. It depends. Anxiety, I feel out of control with no idea who to talk to or how to talk about it. Depressed, I'm too tired to articulate how I'm feeling or just tell myself it will pass. I felt like my body was twitchy, my heart rate increased, I couldn't sleep, mentally I was not as sharp, and emotionally I felt apathy. Even in a dark place, I didn't seem to care to get out or even know how to get back to normal. Exhausting. Trapped in a negative feedback loop mentally. Feeling like you were unliked, unwelcomed, or not good enough for the people around you. Perceived betrayal even when it may not exist. Suicidal thoughts, poor sleep, substance abuse. Falling, like the rug was pulled out from me, knees weak, tunnel vision. When I'm depressed, layers of gray paint on top of one another. When I'm anxious, didn't feel right in my own skin, and chest pain that builds as I get more anxious. It felt powerless. Like you're trying to hold water in your hands, and no matter what you do, it keeps running out, or like you're drowning. Tired and yet not tired. I was presented with information, but couldn't register what people were saying, and reacted in a negative way instead of responding in a positive way. It felt like nothing I was going to do, say, or accomplish would make things better or worse. Physically, I would stay in shape for my job, which would emotionally and mentally make me feel okay for a time period, but it seemed to always just go full circle, just a weird, constant pattern. Even if I got away for the weekend, went whitewater rafting, and camped in the beautiful, scenic woods of Montana, the cycle used to return as soon as I stepped back into my home. Physically, tired. Mentally, foggy. Emotionally, cranky. Felt like I couldn't catch my breath. I couldn't sleep. I drank a lot. I slept around a lot. Anything to keep me from being alone in my own head. My life was a video game, but someone handed me the controller when they were already too far behind to win, so I half-heartedly tried, but knew I would lose no matter what. I let my physical health deteriorate after taking a supervisory, more office-time position, the monotonous work, coupled with the move and lack of meaningful field time, left me considering suicide for the first time in my life, which terrified me. Overwhelming and scary. A lot of embarrassment when it comes to work. I'm supposed to lead. Leaders are supposed to be strong. Absolutely terrible. 
Our job is to create organization from chaos. When your body and mind betray you, it's a terrifying and helpless feeling. Alcohol is easy to turn to and numbs the voice in your head. It felt like even though I had my whole crew with me, sometimes I still felt alone. My stomach doesn't feel well. I feel cloudy in my head and my feelings feel close to the cuff and my muscles ache. Angry, being an asshole to those I cared about. Fucked up on all bases. I felt like I just needed a break. It's just draining. You second-guess your decisions, wonder how your kids are going to deal with your job, staying positive for crew morale, but it's a facade. Nothing is interesting. Nothing I can do is right, or matters, or is good enough. I've lived an awesome life. Why can't I be grateful and present for what's around me and enjoy it and stop taking everything so seriously? In fact, maybe I don't deserve all of this. It would be better if I started all over from scratch. Broken. I wanted to die in every way, disappear from existence, wanting to never be remembered. Like I was going crazy. Can you relate to those people? If the stories and feelings make you uncomfortable, that's okay. We are leaning into this together. I know that was a lot to go through for some of you. It's a pretty heavy subject. To help grasp the theme of how we're all feeling, here are the frequent flyers from all the responses to how do we feel when we're depressed, anxious, on edge, or out of sorts. Hopeless, drowning, confused, tired, out of control, overwhelming, foggy, alone, and scared. What do these mean to you? To me, they're saying we feel disconnect, that we're misunderstood, that we are needing connection, understanding, someone to listen, and a safe space. The voice in our head can say some really fucked up shit that you're alone, that no one cares, but it's not true. It's just not true. Your ego and the societal systems in place will make you think those shaming words are true, but just because the voice in your head says things like that doesn't mean you're broken. Here's a statement from the National Alliance on Mental Health. Quote, A mental health condition isn't the result of one event. Research suggests multiple linking causes. Genetics, environment, and lifestyle influence whether someone develops a mental health condition. A stressful job or home life makes some people more susceptible, as do traumatic life events. Biochemical processes and circuits and basic brain structure may also play a role. None of this means that you're broken or that you or your family did something wrong. Mental health is no one's fault. And for many people, recovery, including meaningful roles in social life, school, and work, is possible, especially when you start treatment early and play a strong role in your own recovery process. End quote. The National Alliance on Mental Health, NAMI for short, was suggested by one of y'all, and it is a great resource to check out. In a bit, I'll be sharing 
symptoms and other info about anxiety, ADHD, depression, and PTSD from the NAMI site, but I highly suggest for you to pursue further and talk to a doctor or therapist about it if you need to. While this next bit is not going to be helpful directly in aiding someone else who is experiencing the following symptoms at work, it's a starting block in understanding what other people might be battling and to take a moment to visualize how you'd want to be treated if you're feeling this way. Here we go, all from the NAMI site. Anxiety. We all experience anxiety. For example, speaking in front of a group can make us anxious, but that anxiety also motivates us to prepare and practice. Driving in heavy traffic is another common source of anxiety, but it helps keep us alert and cautious to avoid accidents. However, when feelings of intense fear and distress become overwhelming and prevent us from doing everyday activities, an anxiety disorder may be the cause. Emotional symptoms of anxiety can include feelings of apprehension or dread, feeling tense or jumpy, restlessness or irritability, and anticipating the worst and being watchful for signs of danger. Physical symptoms can include pounding or racing heart and shortness of breath, sweating, tremors, and twitches, headaches, fatigue, and insomnia, and upset stomach, frequent urination, or diarrhea. Next, ADHD, or Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder. While some behaviors associated with ADHD are normal and not a cause for concern to most people, someone with ADHD will have trouble controlling these behaviors and will show them much more frequently and for longer than six months. Signs of inattention include becoming easily distracted and jumping from activity to activity, becoming bored with the task quickly, difficulty focusing attention or completing a single task or activity, trouble completing or turning in homework assignments, losing things such as school supplies or toys, not listening or paying attention when spoken to, daydreaming or wandering with lack of motivation, difficulty processing information quickly, struggling to follow directions. Signs of hyperactivity include fidgeting and squirming, having trouble sitting still, nonstop talking, touching or playing with everything, difficulty doing quiet tasks or activities. Signs of impulsivity include impatience, acting without regard for consequences, blurting things out, difficulty taking turns, waiting or sharing, and interrupting others. As you can see, the signs and symptoms of ADHD shared on the NAMI site do have a focus on child behavior, but children aren't the only ones that struggle through ADHD and doesn't just magically disappear when we turn into adults. Next, depression. Depressive disorder, frequently referred to simply as depression, is more than just feeling sad or going through a rough patch. It's a serious mental health condition that requires understanding and medical care. Left untreated, depression can be devastating for those who have it and their families. Fortunately, with early detection, diagnosis, and a treatment plan consisting of medication, psychotherapy, and healthy lifestyle choices, many people can and do get better. Depression can present different symptoms depending on the person, but for most people, depressive disorder changes how they function day-to-day and typically for more than two weeks. Common symptoms of depression include changes in sleep, changes in appetite, lack of concentration, loss of energy, lack of interest in activities, hopelessness or guilty thoughts, changes in movement, 
physical aches and pains, and suicidal thoughts. And lastly, PTSD, or post-traumatic stress disorder. A diagnosis of PTSD requires a discussion with a trained professional. Symptoms of PTSD generally fall into the following four broad categories. One, re-experiencing type symptoms, such as recurring, involuntary, and intrusive distressing memories, which can include flashbacks of the trauma, bad dreams, and intrusive thoughts. Two, avoidance, which can include staying away from certain places or objects that are reminders of the traumatic event. A person might actively avoid a place or person that might activate overwhelming symptoms. Three, cognitive and mood symptoms, which can include trouble recalling the event and negative thoughts about oneself. A person may also feel numb, guilty, worried, or depressed and have difficulty remembering the traumatic event. Cognitive symptoms can in some instances extend to include out-of-body experiences or feeling that the world is not real. And four, arousal symptoms, such as hypervigilance. Examples might include being intensely startled by stimuli that resembles the trauma, trouble sleeping, or outbursts of anger. Woo, we went in deep today, and now we know how a lot of us are feeling. While the number of people that participated in the forum may be small compared to the expansive body that ranges from boots on the ground and all the way to the top authorities, these stories reflect our community. When I was creating the form, from my perspective as a GS4, now a GS5, including NIFSI into the regions wasn't an immediate thought until multiple people filled it in themselves. And that was just one instance that blew me away while working on this. Being able to capture the variety of experience reflected in this project to me, makes it even more pertinent that we keep pushing for change in not only at one level, but an entire shift in our culture. All right, that rounds out installment two. In the written piece, I shared even more responses to the questions that we discussed today. So if you want to read more about how the community is feeling, check out the website at www.katywimpari.com. That is www. K-A-T-I-E-W-I-M as in Mike, P as in Papa, A-R-I dot com. And in the next episode, we will go into how we manage stress and process grief. Thanks for being here with me today and showing up for yourself and your own growth. Until next time, be compassionate, love others, and stay weird. <laughs>